CPM. And so uh, we're going to uh, talk now for a little while um, about uh, uh, my uh, uh, short stay in hospital. And I know that there are some people who work in hospitals here, some people who have worked in hospitals here, some people who have had stays in hospitals, and uh, some people who are perhaps fearing a stay in hospital. And uh, I certainly wasn't expecting this to happen. So there were two things that took place on our uh, sabbatical trip. Uh, one of them was the fact that uh, our Peugeot van, which was a nine-seater vehicle, broke down on the A35, uh, just coming around a, a, a town, a city, uh, called Dorchester in the city of Dorset in England. Now, Dor Dorset is beautiful. It's one of these counties that has no highway in it, just a dual carriageway, and we were on it. And we're driving along in the outside lane, so a dual carriageway is not a highway. It's, it's got two carriageways on each side, and there's no hard shoulder. So if anything happens to your vehicle, it can be a bit of a tricky situation. So we're in the outside lane. Uh, we're trying to get to our location, which was in Portsmouth. And uh, the van was going flat out. It only had a little engine of 1.6. And if anybody knows what that means, it means it's not a very big engine in this little van. And uh, we're belting along about 70 miles an hour. And suddenly, the, Christmas, the, 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 the dashboard lit up like a Christmas tree. Now, I'll explain, Lisa, what a Christmas tree is later, OK? just in case you're wondering. But it was, and the words vacation over appeared on the display beside us. And uh, I said to Joe, oh, we've got a problem here. Managed to dip the clutch and we sailed across the road and miraculously, but of course the Lord knows, there is a lay-by that we were able to pull in off of the main uh, dual carriageway and stop it. So that was one event that took place and it was one uh, which was uh, quite challenging in, in many respects. But the other one happened when we had flown uh, from the Netherlands, from the city of Eindhoven, to Rome. And uh, it's funny, but in Europe, airfares are relatively cheap in comparison to Canada. And uh, for 60 euros each, we were able to buy a return ticket from the Netherlands to uh, Rome. And so we wanted to, to go down to Rome and, uh, and see a bit of what was going on. At least that was our plan, and we'd uh, managed to get a, a very reasonably priced uh, villa that we were able to stay in. So when, uh, when we flew down there, um, I didn't quite feel right. That's the only way I can describe it. Just something was, uh, was sort of niggling away at me, and uh, you know, when battle's on and you try and the impression everything's okay and your wife says are you all right and say yes dear no problem at all and we did indeed go off and we went to see some very very special places and one of them uh, um, was Ostia Antica and this brick here you might think it's little but it's about 2100 years old and uh, if you want to look at it afterwards it's fascinating that the Romans had invented concrete before um, most of the rest of the world had, had invented a hot dinner to be quite honest and uh, even to the fact that it has decoration placed in it with a different color that comes there. And the whole of this ancient city is built of these little bricks, and these are the pavements that you walk on. And there it is. This brick was made before the Lord Jesus was born. Okay? And so we were able to do some wonderful things. But eventually it got to the point, I think it was on the Wednesday of that week, that uh, that night... Uh, I just developed a pain here, okay, right in the middle of my abdomen. And uh, Joe and the kids went off to bed, and I just sat on the bathroom floor holding my belly. I was quite uh, sick, uh, vomited a few times, quite a few times, actually. 
And uh, I thought to myself, it felt a bit like indigestion on and off. And then I thought, that's not indigestion. There's something going on here. I battled through the night. Um, the English believe strongly that a cup of tea is the uh, way of dealing with any health issue. And so I had several cups of tea in the night. And uh, I just found myself wriggling around on the floor because of the pain that, uh, that I had. Um, you're in a strange country. You don't speak the language. You can't just get up and do things. And as that was happening, I, I did what I think any of us would do. And that is I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, this is getting unbearable. What's happening? And I can only say that I did have a sense of peace. I wasn't panicky, but I knew things were getting worse. And so finally in the morning, I phoned up the uh, health insurance that we'd taken out. And if you've ever had to do that when you're away from home, they, they take you through a quiz online and they ask you different questions. And then the outcome at the end of it is what you're supposed to do. So we went through the quiz. <clears throat> and the lady who was very, very helpful, somewhere here in Toronto, I think, she said, okay, so the quiz says you need to go to the hospital. And uh, she said, I'll, 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 I'll phone the hospital and uh, try and get you booked in. And then we'll send you a text message with the address on. So again, you've got six children in a strange country. And there's a sense of fear. And, you, and you're going to ask your wife to... Italians are wonderful people, but when you put them in front of a steering wheel, they turn into, into a very different group of people at speed. Do, do they have any idea what the speed limit means? Every, it's like foot flat on the floor, the brakes are hard, and, and they're, they're wonderful. But when it comes to being in a car, and, and I was expecting Joe to, to drive, was it 45 minutes an hour to, to the hospital? But the... Uh, uh, the, the health insurance uh, gave me uh, this hospital to go to, and here it is. This is the uh, San Felipe Hospital in Rome. And when we got there, as you so often think to yourself, and if, if uh, Marianne, I don't want you to be offended if I say anything about Italian. She's a lovely Italian lady here, and uh, we've grown to love Italy, so don't misunderstand me. But Italy operates on a chaos level, okay? It, it's like some simple procedure is made difficult. That's the general principle that the Italians seem to operate under. How they manage to be the fourth most industrialized nation in the world, I'm not entirely sure, but they are. And so we finally got to the hospital, and uh, we went in. The, the lady from, the, from Toronto had phoned back and said, I've tried to make an appointment. They put me through to the emergency department, and I explained, and the lady said, not English, and put the phone down. So that didn't give us a lot of hope. But when we got there, there was a nurse waiting. And uh, she said, oh, I, I, knew, I knew you were coming. Uh, her English was not great, but uh, enough to get by. And uh, she was very, very helpful indeed. And so I have a high regard for those who have a calling to work in our medical services here in Canada as well as as in Italy, and it is a calling. It's, it's not something you do out of choice in many respects. And uh, so she said to, to Joe, oh, you must wait here. And, uh, and this, because you have to remember, it was 35 plus degrees outside. And the actual emergency ward starts in the car park. That, that's, that's where it all begins. And that's where some people are waiting before they go in. And uh, 
I went in and uh, they, they gave me an ECG, checked my heart out, they took blood, which was a challenge for me because I'm a real, a real uh, weakling weeb when it comes to giving blood. And uh, this Italian chap uh, said, hey, come on, <laughs> you can do better than this, okay. And uh, he sticks this needle in and blood's gushing everywhere as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and then he says, hey, I need another one. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> surely one's enough. And, uh, and then within uh, two hours I had uh, an ultrasound and I had a, a, an abdominal x-ray and I had a CT scan, which was... Uh, are quite amazing and uh, but in all of that lying on the bed and not being able to understand what's going on about you Joe had been asked to go back outside and you're saying Lord I'm struggling to cope here because you're beginning to think hold on a minute are they taking this too seriously you know So eventually, I'm, I'm sat on the end of... Oh, they gave me a, uh, an intravenous drip. And uh, the doctor, he said, I'll give you something for the pain. I can see you need it. I said, yeah. And so the first one didn't work. Uh, it gave me about 10, 15 minutes of pain relief. And he comes to me, he says, yeah, we need stronger. <laughs> he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. So... Uh, he puts on this, he said, this one always works. It's never, no, no problem. <laughs> and I tell you, it was beautiful. I felt really good. It worked wonders. And uh, I've had a dodgy shoulder for quite a while. And, and, I could, and it went in this arm and I could feel the pain vanishing. And I could feel it spreading right the way across. And then finally it got to my, ah, this is wonderful. So a nurse comes by. Uh, I say to her, I'll call my wife and go home. And she, eh, no, 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 no home, no home. <laughs> So, uh, so the doctor came back and explained that they, uh, they knew what the problem was, which was essentially an inflamed gallbladder, but there was no stones involved, and there was no tumor, because that was the thing that they were looking for, where the gallbladder connects to the tubing that's inside you. Okay. And... Uh, but he said, this happens from time to time. He said, normally you eat the wrong food. So I thought, okay. Having looked at the Italian um, menu recently, I thought, well, it can't be too far off. So anyway, I'm sat on the end of the bed. And this is just to, to give you an example because you, you sort of can worry. And a nurse, um, I have to say that the scrubs that Canadian nurses and doctors wear are pretty poor in comparison to Italian. Italians look like a, a Milan catwalk, okay? They're beautifully turned out, all right? And uh, uh, well-fitting uniforms, let me put it that way. So I'm sat on the edge of the bed, uh, feeling a lot better because this stuff is working wonders, and I'm trying to see what the bottle is, and can I get it from Walmart or something when we get home? And uh, she comes to me, and she says, hey, you must stand on the bed. So I look at her, and I think, you, you want me to stand on the bed? Yeah, you must stand on the bed now. So I said, are you really sure? <laughs> okay. And she said, yes. Yeah. So I said, would you mind me asking, why do you want me to stand on the bed? So she said, I have to give you this injection. Okay. So I said, oh, do you mean lie on the bed? But, ah, yes, I mean lie on the bed. Okay. And so you're thinking to yourself language. And then so I said to her, do you mind if I ask what's in the injection? So she does this, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
And I mean, you're thinking to yourself, got to be a bit cautious here. And uh, so anyway, uh, the doctor came over and, and uh, he explained uh, what it was and it was some coagulant or something to stop the, the stuff going in or what have you. And, uh, and then he explained uh, what was needed, but uh, in terms of, of antibiotics, which was quite a lot of antibiotics to try and clear it. So I'm put on this bed, and I lie in the... At this, at this stage, I'm in the, the emergency room itself. And as I say, chaos reigns. But everywhere I looked, on every wall, there was a crucifix, a cross. Italians are very religious. And I'm lying on the bed, and finally, it's now something like 11 o'clock at night, perhaps 12 o'clock midnight, and the doctor comes over, he says, I'm oh, really sorry, there's no wards for you, but we've got a really nice corridor. That was the general gist of it. But during this whole time, I've been praying, Lord, I'm really struggling here. I need to know what's being said, what's being done to me. And so just slightly before that, actually, um, in my prayers, and this is the lady I want to introduce to you tonight, suddenly, on the other side of the corridor, a lady turns to me, her bed has just been wheeled in, and uh, she says, oh, so nice to hear an English accent. And she spoke perfect English. And her name was Mary Davis. And Mary had caused her father enormous consternation because when she was 17 or 18, she announced that she was going to marry an Italian guy and move to Italy. And this was, she would have been in her mid-70s now. And she said her father wasn't happy about this, but she did it. And uh, she has lived in Rome all of her life. She obviously speaks Italian perfectly. And uh, she went on to tell me a bit about her life. She said, uh, I've been a stalwart at the Anglican Church here in Rome. Uh, it's quite big. A lot of people go to it. And she said, uh, I've worked hard. I've done so many things for that church. And she's, she's just talking openly and candidly. And she says, I've done so much for God. And then she says this, and now when I need him the most, he's not here. He's not here. So I turned to Mary and I said, but Mary, he is. But you don't know him. So you don't recognize, well, of course I know him. I've worked for him for so long. He's been dependent upon the things that I do. The vicar wouldn't survive without me, she says. And you know what? She's probably right. And then she started to tell me about her family. And she said, that's another issue. My husband died and left me here. He died uh, when he was uh, only in his late 50s. And she says, how can a God who claims to be a loving God do that to me? We had plans. We, we were going to go places, do things. And he's gone. And then she said this, my children, they don't want to know me. My daughter's moved to the north of Italy. Never see her. She never phones me. She doesn't care about me. 
and yet I worked for God and I've done everything for him. Why, why is it he can't deal with that problem? And my son, well, he comes and sees me just occasionally, but he's got his, his own life to live. And then she said this, I am so lonely. And when I hear that, it reminds me of how fortunate I am to have a relationship with Jesus. But whilst I felt terribly alone in that hospital, couldn't speak the language, people were just rushing around, there was noise everywhere. And yet God graciously brought Mary along to help me to know what was going on and she was able to translate and to ask questions and to do things for me. She wasn't saved, but God brought her for a reason. And I was able to share with her the fact that God is real and that he loves her and that he's waiting for her to respond to his love, not in a way of doing things for him, because as God's word tells us, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we need to do. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures in just a moment for that relationship to start. And so as the noise, as the, as the, as the evening goes by, uh, I did get uh, some sleep, but I wake up in the middle of the night and whatever the painkiller was, it, I, I don't know, I'm going to tell you more about this in a couple of weeks' time, but I will tell you this, is that without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord Jesus Christ was present with me throughout the whole of that night. He was there. And I believe I physically saw him. But I'm going to tell you more about that later because as the night went through, there were some other people that, that I met. Dear lady who was crying out, and this is the one for next week, she spent the whole night and she cried one word, Padre, Padre, which means priest. And she cried out all night and I said to the nurse eventually and Mary translated and she said, yes, this lady is dying and unless the priest comes so that she can give her last confession, she will go to hell. That was her belief. But we'll talk about that again another time. And so as the, as the night went on, I was just uh, so uh, moved by the overpowering sense of the Lord Jesus with me. Now, I know some of you will say, well, yeah, well, you would feel like that, wouldn't you? You know, it's all in your mind. And the painkillers probably helped. But that's what the world would say. And then we turn to God's Word. And again, if you have a Bible, uh, I would ask you to follow with me because you, you know when, when you, you don't have your, your, your Bible with you, and uh, you've got your phone and you're able to look up the scriptures. That's about the only real reason I think mobile phones are worth having, quite frankly. But, but you think to yourself, and this is why learning scripture is so important. God spoke about my situation, didn't he, in different places. And if, you, if you're able to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, 
just want to read some verses, verses 8 to 10. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I, I couldn't save myself. And none of you can save yourselves. Our salvation is done entirely by God through his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jonah 2, 19, uh, 2 verse 9 reminds us that salvation is of the Lord, we're told. But as I looked at these verses and read this particular section at something like 2.33 in the morning, I realized that whilst I was lying on that bed, feeling sorry for myself, feeling scared, feeling worried, thinking to myself, you know, what if there's something else more that's wrong with me? I realized that whilst I was doing that, God was busy at work. God doesn't rest, particularly where his children are concerned. And verse 4, I saw this so wonderfully, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his what? His great love. Isn't that wonderful? Because of his great love with which he has loved us. And so I'm reminded that whilst Mary Davis didn't know anything of the love of God, I did. And I realized there and then that even though I'm a wretched sinner, even though I've let my Lord down so many times, He still loves me. How can that be? He loves me. And because He loved me, because He loves those who call out to Him, verse 5 goes on to tell us something else wonderfully. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And so here we are. God's love reaches down, and whilst spiritually we're dead, he still loves us. And as we said this morning, he breathes his breath into us. And when we're joined to the vine, his blood pumps through our veins. He made us alive. 
And as Mary was whining on about how she had worked for God and God never returned the favor to her, I realized that that's not how it worked. I didn't need to do anything for God to show his favor to me. And then verse 6 tells us something as well. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is incredible. You see, God's not just satisfied to save us and to see us uh, snatched from the fire of hell. But he elevates us and he takes us to the highest place. He loves us and he exalts us. And we can look beyond the position in which we are in. And that life he's given us, he takes us to the heavens and to that heavenly position. We're not left in the graveyard, friends. And then lastly, and on this point we close, verses 7 to 9, let's read them together. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest Anyone should boast. Here's, here's the incredible thing. He keeps us. God's purpose in redemption is not just to save us. As great as that is. But he keeps us. For all eternity. His son didn't die to lose us. His son died to save us. Just one last verse in John chapter 14. Verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I read that to Mary. And she said, so what you're saying is I didn't have to try. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> she said, so what you're saying is I've wasted my life. I said, yeah. <laughs> So what you're saying is that there's nothing I can do. I said, yeah. And her parting words to me were, but that's too easy. I don't know what's happened to her since. But I do know that there are many people that say the same thing. That's too easy. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. His ultimate purpose is that for all eternity we might glorify God. So if God has an eternal purpose for us to fulfill, he'll keep us for all eternity so that we can fulfill his purpose. Grace means salvation completely free apart from any merit or work on our part. So that's the end of the first encounter and uh, we look forward to meeting the lady next week who was really struggling because she was terrified and we don't have to be afraid. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the experiences that you give us in our lives. Um, sometimes at the time we don't understand. And sometimes at the time we think, God, how can you do this? You claim to love me and you put me through this. But you do love us. And when we confess our sin and turn to you, you assure us of our forgiveness. That your dear son died for us, went into the grave, and was raised to life. And those who trust in him are raised to life with him. And so, Father, I thank you and I pray for Mary Davies. I don't know what's happened to her. But I pray that the words that were shared, the testimony that was given, that she would have gone away and thought long and hard and that she would have sought your face. And Father, I pray that she stops her striving and simply clings to you. And Father, I pray for each person here this morning. I know there are some that are trying hard. In fact, it's quite impressive what they do. They're loyal. They're hardworking. They're always there when they're needed. But they don't know you. And it's all done on the outside. And they desperately need to stop striving in their own strength and realize that God's grace is given to us freely and that our salvation is given to us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would pray, Lord, that if there is anybody in that position this evening who doesn't know that they are saved, that doesn't know that they belong to you, that tonight would be the night that that changes. And that they would call out to you for their salvation. That they would repent of their sin and turn to you, change their mind and call out for their salvation. And that they would know the peace 
that comes from a heart made right with God. Bless them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.